Everyone, help support the podcast. Jason here from Election College. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be one of our patrons on Patreon. Yeah, I kind of feel like one of those uh, guys on PBS telling you, for a dollar a month, you can have a tote bag or something like that. Well, we don't quite have a tote bag for you, and we hope we're not that cheesy. But if you go over to the link in our show notes to electioncollege.com slash Patreon, to patreon.com slash electioncollege, whichever one you want to do, uh, you can do that. You can support us there for as little as a dollar a month. We've got extra episodes. We've got a private Facebook community you can sign up for. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. So check it out. Election College, episode 163, The Credit Mobilier Scandal. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks. But did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, if you think that politics and maybe even industry in the American country may be corrupt these days... You should head on back to around 1867 when the the biggest scandal to rock the nation at the time came out. Yeah, it's got all of the scandal that you could ever hope for or try to ignore. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we pressed record. How do you even pronounce credit mobilier or mobilier or credit? Mobilier. <laughs> We're just going to go ahead and get it out off of our chest now. We don't know, so we might even ch- interchange it throughout the episode, but that's okay. You know what we mean. Yeah. We could say CM, but maybe not. It's not, not nearly as exciting, though. That's true. Yeah. So back in 1864, you know, the Civil War is happening, raging on, and the federal government's like, you know what? We need a railroad to go from one side of the country to the other, or maybe just from the uh, the Missouri River to the other side of the country. Uh, and you know what? We've got all sorts of money here with this war going on and everything. Why don't we just go ahead and, and pay somebody to do it for us? Yeah, and this was not something that was cheap. <laughs> you had a lot of terrain to cover, a lot of mountainous area, and it's just not an easy thing to do to acquire this kind of land. So what happens is the government says, hey, Union Pacific Railroad, we want to help you out. We're going to give you a loan of anywhere from $16,000 to $48,000 per mile. That just depends on where you're at, where that crazy mile is. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's only 20 million acres. <laughs> so to sum that up, that would be anywhere from 50 million to a hundred million dollars. And people are like, no, not interested. <laughs> well, and one of the big reasons that this is a, such an interesting proposition is because the whole way from the Missouri river to the coast where, uh, you know, it would be ending 
it doesn't really have a lot of stuff there. And I guess even today, that's kind of the same case. There's not really a lot of stuff out there in the uh, the plains of the, the western side of the country. But so people kind of understand, like, why would we want to finance this thing when there's not a lot of places for it to stop? There's not a lot of things going on in the meantime. Yeah, we need to get stuff across the country, but it just probably won't recoup its money very fast. There weren't even any lines that could branch off of it and connect with the the transcontinental railway. So it, it was just kind of, well, this is probably a good idea and we know in the future it'll help out. But right now it just doesn't make monetary sense for us to help out. Yeah. And on top of all of this, you have Native American tribes who were, well, not very friendly to the American cause and this whole concept of linking the Missouri River to the Pacific Ocean uh, wasn't a top priority for the native tribes. And they just didn't want the Americans in their way. So there's a lot of issues going on. But what happens is you've got George Francis Train, which is totally appropriate. Have you ever <laughs> seen somebody a have last a last name? that just fits their occupation. Like I've got a confession, Ben. Uh-huh. I really tried to golf. Yeah. And I tried and tried and tried cuz I thought it'd be really cool if Jason Goff could golf, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, that it makes di- sense. Didn't work out. But George Fan- Francis Train, <laughs> he definitely was in the right business because he worked with the Union Pacific Railroad. Well, he and his buddy, Thomas C. Durant, they formed the Credit Mobilier in 1864. And the company was originally called the Pennsylvania Fiscal Agency, and they were a loan and contract company that was chartered back in 1859. And the creation of Credit Mobilier of America was an attempt to say to the American government and to the public that, hey, there's this organization that's independent of the Union Pacific Railroad is pretty interested in investing and and being a part of this. And why not? We'll help construct this thing. (laughs) Man, that's, well, maybe you don't quite understand yet, but you'll get there, I I hope. Uh, Basically, Union Pacific is this company, and they're like, yeah, we're going to start this other company so that nobody knows that nobody's actually interested in this project we're trying to finance. So it's a shell company, I guess, in a sense. Uh, And they're trying to protect the shareholders and the management and stuff like that from exposure to the project, to knowing that they were also involved, and from letting people know that they were just going to basically take all the money from the extra profits and just kind of stuff them in their pockets because, hey, that's what you do when you're a scammer and then you have two big companies that are actually the same company. They kind of understand at this point, too, that like we talked about a minute ago, the railroad operating probably isn't going to bring much money. So they need to get the money from the government to, in order to build the line and get the profits from that because uh, in the future, we're probably not going to recoup that. So to really sum it up, The Union Pacific made 
contracts with Credit Mobilier to build the railway. And they would do this significantly above cost because why not? We need money. And this brought all kinds of cash to the Credit Mobilier and Durant and the directors of the Union Pacific Railroad, as well as, of course, the stockholders, they really reaped some benefit off of this. And they circumvented many rules that required them to receive full payment for stock that was issued. And what ended up happening was Credit Mobilier used this cash that was coming in from Uncle Sam to purchase Union Pacific stock at par. So what happened was Congress paid about $94.5 million to Credit Mobilier via the Union Pacific, and Credit Mobilier knows how I'm saying it different each time. Just to, <laughs> it's fancier now. Just to add a twist to it. They only spent, oh, almost $51 million. So this is like almost $44 million of profit for Credit Mobilier. And people got pretty wealthy as a result. Yeah, and then Credit Mobilier only reports a profit of about $23 million, which obviously is untrue by about $20 million. <laughs> and the reason it's so dubious, like, yeah, uh, tons of companies underreport their profits. That's, you expect that kind of, you know, that's how the IRS is thinking about this. You expect them to underrepresent it. We're still going to prosecute them, but whatever. But the difficulty was the same directors were recipients of the $20 million and they were getting profits from both companies and it was the same people, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the, the way that a lot of this was accomplished is basically indirect billing. The Union Pacific company presents these invoices to the government and they're like, hey, this is how much credit mobilier um, charge. That's how much we have to pay them. And then the railroad says well, we've got these invoices and we need to be paid for these as well. We, you know, we gave them to Union Pacific and everything, but the bills only really show the small little fee um, over top of the cost that was stated on the previous invoices. So they're getting two invoices for the same project and they're getting invoices that are stating amounts that were not true as well as funding uh, two different companies at the same time. Yeah, and in the midst of all of this, members of Congress who agreed to support additional funding for the railroad, well, they benefited some. And because of all this indirect billing, it was mostly legal at the time. Why not? We got around the law a little bit. <laughs> so... In 1867, Credit Mobilier replaced Thomas Durant as its head with Congressman Oakes Ames. And, in, and also in 1867, Ames offered to members of Congress shares of stock in Credit Mobilier at a discounted rate rather than market value. 
So this high market value of the stock results in a very good performance rating for Credit Mobilier. And Union Pacific's like, well, of course we're going to continue working with these guys. This is a great thing. Well, of course, these guys (laughs) is us, and it's also the government. And they're showing all kinds of profits, and people are making some dividend money. And among those who are benefiting the most are members of Congress. Jason, one of the really humorous things to me about this is Union Pacific uh, at times gets questioned. And, you know, you want to you go look into things that companies you're supporting are doing, etc. So Union Pacific puts on this guise and says, well, you know, we don't suspect any wrongdoing. And basically whatever Credit Mobilier uh, asks for, uh, because we trust them, we just pay it. Uh, whatever we're asked to pay, we pay it. So their their income statements are showing these super high revenues in excess of their expenses and, of course, very high profits. And as Jason said, dividends are just skyrocketing through the roof. Uh, people who got these stocks are mysteriously getting uh, lots of extra dividends on them. And yeah, members of Congress are involved. And some members of Congress that you're going to recognize their names and we're going to talk about more. Yeah. So it always comes out in an election year, right? And in 1872, the Sun, which was a New York City newspaper that opposed the reelection of Grant, was publishing articles that were, of course, critical of his administration. And there was a disagreement with our friend, Congressman Ames, Henry Simpson McComb, he worked for the Illinois Central Railroad. He leaked some compromising letters to the newspaper. And the Sun reported that Credit Mobilier had received $72 million in contracts for building a railroad that was only worth $53 million. Well, after all this comes to light, the Union Pacific... And some of the other investors, well, they were left for nearly bankrupt. Man, it's it's a huge graft, essentially. It's it's scam and fraud and corruption all in one. So in 1872 as well, the House of Representatives submits these names of a bunch of different politicians to the Senate to have them investigated. And amongst them are William B. Allison, James Bayard Jr., George Boutwell, Roscoe Conkling, James Harlan, John Logan, James Patterson, and Henry Wilson. Uh, All of these individuals are senators. And then also among them, Vice President Schuyler Colfax, which, by the way, our next episode is going to be all about Schuyler Colfax. So make sure you tune into that one as well. We'll kind of leave him out of these wrap-up details Uh, since we'll be talking about him a little more in depth in the future. So Baird uh, is actually the only one out of all of these individuals who is not a Republican. And, uh, you know, it seems like maybe they just threw him in there. So it didn't seem like they were just being biased. Uh, But he was like, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. No problem. Yeah. So when it's all said and done, Congress investigated 13 of its own members and Ames and James Brooks, uh, who was a Democrat from New York, 
they get censured, uh, which in other words is, well, a slap on the wrist, if that. And the Department of Justice also did an investigation and the government found that the company had given shares to more than 30 representatives of both parties, including future president James Garfield, our buddy Skylar Colfax, and a couple of others. So Garfield, he gets off pretty clean because he didn't profit too much (laughs) off of this whole affair. And the Republicans ditch Colfax in the 1872 uh, vice presidential nomination. They decide to have Henry Wilson, uh, who was also implicated in the case. But Wilson was like, eh, my wife, it was her money. And so poor (laughs) Skylar Colfax, he's left out in the cold. We're going to talk more about Skylar Colfax, as Ben said, in the next episode. But we just had to talk about the credit mobilier scandal. How would you like to be Henry Wilson? He's a he's a senator, and they're like, "Hey, you did something wrong." And he's like, "Uh, no, my wife did it. I had no idea. Obviously, it was her money." And then he goes on to, and they're like, "Oh, well, okay." And he goes on to be the vice president. Like, I don't understand how that works, but like, good job, I guess. I don't know how, if I should be congratulating him, but. Yeah, do you think she was like, oh, honey, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and implicate me in this scandal. Well, I mean, later on, um, I guess they had some concerns about everything. And the purchase price was returned to them. Wilson returned the dividends he'd been paid. He uh, also pays his wife the amount she should have gotten if she'd kept the stock. So I guess he did kind of want to seem like it was all clean. But notice he didn't do any of that before he was implicated, just to make sure he got off scot-free. Yeah. Man, rascals. Yep. Hey, you know a totally legit way of making money, Ben? What's that? Participate in Patreon, and that's exactly what we are doing. If you head over to our Patreon account, which is electioncollege.com slash Patreon, you can help support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. Yeah, check out the uh, the link in our show notes. 11 cents an episode will keep us running. Well, as long as more than one of you does it. And I don't think, I think we've already hit that point. So uh, go ahead and make sure you uh, uh, check that out for like 11 cents an episode or a buck a month. Uh, You can get access to our Patreon feed where we'll share interesting stories and stuff like that for like three bucks a month. You can be part of our Facebook group and we'll, we'll interact there with you as well. And then, you know, if you, if you look and you maybe a dollar an episode, something like that, we'll actually start pumping out two extra episodes a month for you guys that are supporting us at a dollar an episode, uh, just because we think that people who value us should be valued. Yeah. Hey, and while you're all about supporting the podcast, another way, which is free, is to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. We certainly appreciate it. I promise you that we do a happy dance whenever we get a five-star rating. It means so much. You can head over to electioncollege.com slash review or electioncollege.com slash iTunes. It'll take you to the same place. It'll take you exactly 58.3 seconds to leave a review. And 
As you all know, we love interacting with you. So go ahead and check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages at Election College. We'll see you next time.